Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We are glad that you are joining us today. We are in a series on the mentoring relationship, and I am joined by my husband, Chris Conley, who's the lead pastor at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I love this topic of mentoring, and we have spent several sessions being incredibly thorough on how to begin the mentoring relationship. And we've tried to lay it out as crystal clear as possible. So if you are listening to this program, this podcast, in whatever way, shape or form, that you have all of the tools that you need to make sure that the relationship starts out on a solid foot. Chris, before we spend the rest of our time moving into the day to day, the week to week, the transition from that first meeting until the journey of disciples, How important is it that you start the mentoring relationship right? Well, when you define the expectations of the relationship, it allows you to allow every other meeting to remove the awkwardness. You're not in this conversation and you're not worried about, okay, this person's going too long and should I interrupt or not? Do they want this to be all relational or how much of it is it that I need to get through the curriculum today? And when you can just set the expectations and kind of define what this relationship looks like, then it gives you permission to make sure every mentoring session, every time you're together, you can just talk straight with one another. You don't have to play this awkward game. You've defined what this is supposed to be. It makes me think about like Dave Ramsey principles and how if you have a budget and you've had those conversations as a husband and wife like we do, and once you kind of get past that, if you set it up right, then it just kind of goes so smoothly after that. But if you don't do the work on the front end, then you have all of these unmet expectations or unspoken expectations. And that's obviously not just in finances. That can be in any area of marriage as as well. But I think that very same analogy is a pretty good picture for this mentoring relationship. You want to have a good start, clear expectations so that it can just run smoothly. It's a healthy relationship. There's not any second guessing what the other person is thinking. Absolutely. Well, as we move on, this broadcast today is really going to be spent talking about the weekly or biweekly meeting. Now that we've kind of got the first meeting behind us, What does a regular mentoring meeting look like? Typically, you're going to meet with someone, and I recommend at least twice a month. Ideally, if you can meet with someone weekly, that's best. But twice to three times a month is really necessary to be able to keep up with the pace of life. What you want to do is if you say, okay, we're going to meet for an hour or we're going to meet for an hour and 30 minutes, you need to kind of break it up in your mind as to how this is going to flow. But the most important thing occurs as the first thing, and that's just simply that relational time to connect with one another. It's just to say to the person that you're mentoring, tell me what's been going on in your life over the past week. Because we've already defined the expectations, that person knows this isn't designed to be a 30-minute conversation. They know they're to give you a summary, but at the same time, We want to be sensitive to that conversation that if something significant has taken place in their week, then maybe we don't get to go over any curriculum today. Maybe we need to stop and pause right there to whatever the circumstance was. 
or maybe whatever a crisis was and help them work through it. Just that relational connection is going to give you the ability to discern what the Holy Spirit has been doing in this person's life and then how you can play a role to help them know how to apply God's truth in their life, whatever the circumstance is. And I think it's important to mention, depending on your personality type, that is either just a no-brainer. Of course you're going to start and you're going to check with the person and see what's going on in their world. But there are times, either by personality type or just season of life, that we can rush in somewhere, especially if we see ourselves as the leader in that relationship. And we can just kind of skip right by that and just hit the ground running and go, okay, this is what we're going to talk about today. Talk about how that could hinder a relationship if you really scoot past that really entry-level question of how their world is. Depending on the type of person, some people, if you aren't relationally engaged, will be offended by that and will interpret that as not caring or not being sensitive to who they are and what's going on in their life. And my personality type, I have relational skills, but I'm also very driven and I'm very task-oriented. I care about the relational dynamic, but I'm eager. I'm anxious to like jump into whatever it is we're going to talk about today and begin to start wrestling with the topic and talking about how to apply it. But sometimes we run ahead of God in that way. We want to talk about our topic instead of God's topic for the day. Sometimes God has something on the agenda that we don't have on the agenda, and we can't discover what that is without the relational piece. Small talk is necessary to build a relationship. And it's in that small talk that you discover what are the significant things that you need to talk about. There are other people that they are so relationally wired that even as the one leading this mentoring relationship, you could take a question like that and every week it ends up being 75 or 80% of the time that you have committed to the mentoring relationship. What would be your advice if that's your personality type? I would try to identify that early with someone and have a discussion and say, listen, I know you're a talker and I know you process what you think through talking. And I value that and I respect that. But in order for us to kind of flip this and make sure that you as the mentee are learning from me as the mentor, I need permission to interrupt you at times. I need you to allow me to help develop you even in the relational skills because if you're a talker, this probably happens in other environments and settings where you're talking, you're talking, but people have quit listening and you are still talking. And so when people stop listening, you need to stop talking. If we could only teach teenagers that and, and everyone else, I say, as the parent of two teenagers. So yes, you start off always wanting to get a pulse of where the person is at. What do you transition to next? Again, for that person trying to get a feel. How do I use this hour and a half? How do I use this two hours, one hour, whatever it may be? What are you going to transition to in a typical week? Here's the strategic part of the relational conversation. I'm listening to the events of the conversation and I'm trying to discern what God has said to them this week. 
I'm trying to discern ways that they have responded or not responded to God, ways that they have obeyed or disobeyed God, ways that they have applied the truth or delayed their obedience in applying the truth. I'm just listening to see where is God at work in them and how have they responded to him or how have they adjusted their agenda or their schedule or their priorities to be on task with God. And so as I'm listening to those things, I'm trying to form in my mind, where can I interrupt them oftentimes in the relational part to ask a strategic question that's often thought-provoking? Or to ask a question that's challenging, really in mentoring, the art of mentoring, the secret to being a great mentor is asking great questions. Once you ask the question to listen long enough to not just give a pat answer, but to give a specific answer that applies to their life, but also in listening, not to listen so long that they do all the talking that you can interrupt them at times and say, okay, I think I hear you. I think I got you. Now let's take it this direction. That is probably what I have learned the most from you, that the difference between a mediocre and a great mentoring relationship, it generally does fall on the mentor. Certainly, you can have times where the mentee is not being faithful to their part. They're not working at the relationship and they're not following. And But more often than not, if you have a willing person that has come and wants to be mentored, it is that art of asking questions. I know that if you're a mentor listening to this and you want to know, how do I become better at this? What you just said is, I think, absolutely the key. You focus on asking better questions. Most of the time, it's not a lack of biblical knowledge. You can be very intelligent, very studied in the word. You can have been a believer for a long time and have all of it in you. But it's asking those strategic questions to get the other person thinking that is critical. What I would say is don't be intimidated. It's not like you're asking different questions every week. And it's not like it's this unlimited number of questions and, okay, well, I've asked that one before and I can't ask this one again. Human nature is the same. Mm -hmm. And people fall into these patterns of behavior and people relapse into bad patterns of behavior. And really, we're talking about a handful of questions that are the same questions that we ask all the time, but we just ask them in slightly different ways and we apply them in different ways. And so uh, the classic example of this where I began to learn this was from Clyde Cranford. Sometimes the art of asking questions is what you don't ask and what you don't say. So he would not ask me, how many times did you have your priority time this week? Most of us, we kind of view it and we think of, okay, well, it's the spiritual discipline. And if I'm going to be really faithful, I need to try to do that daily or at least more days of the week, I'm going to do it than not do it. We would come into a relationship like this and we would say kind of our curriculum instead of being a workbook, it's the Bible. And we want to have a priority time, a daily, unhurried, inspired time to read the word of God, to know the God of the word. So the temptation would be to go, well, how many times do you have your priority time this week? Well, what's the answer? Four. Well, how much conversation did that stimulate? So the question that Clyde would ask me is, what did God say to you this week? There's a huge difference in that question, not only in 
your answer as the mentee, but even in how you feel about hearing that question. What was the difference when Clyde would ask that question? Because a lot of times we grow up in this culture of of rules and feeling like we have to live up to some standard and am I going to disappoint this person? But it's a huge difference when someone says, how many times did you have your priority time? And you just feel like, oh, I'm going to melt underneath the table. I must not be doing well enough. Instead, when you ask that question, what did God say to you this week? How is that different for the person receiving that question? It causes you to pause first and foremost. When you grasp the magnitude of that question, you typically don't answer that question quickly. You feel a certain stewardship with that answer. You feel a certain responsibility with that answer. You have to kind of pause and say, what did he say to me? And then as you collect your thoughts, you know, you typically don't answer that question generically. Well, you know, I mean, he just kind of told me that I need to be better. You know, (laughs) if God said something, it's not generic, it's specific. So as you're really beginning to narrow your thoughts and you answer that question frequently, it would be, well, something that God had said to me through the Bible, you know, through a a daily priority time or something that God had said to me through a friend or maybe at church listening to someone teach or something of that nature, or maybe the Holy Spirit just impressing something upon me, kind of applying it to a specific context in my life. So I really would evaluate what happened this past week, evaluate, did I really slow down enough to hear God's voice? Because... We have to also realize God is speaking. Sometimes we're not listening. Well, I remember when you, 20 years ago, when Clyde was discipling you, and then as I was also a part of a group of women that went through parts of this, even when your mentor asks you that question one time, it forever changes how you approach your priority time. You're now going, wait, I can't just go through the motions and show up. There's some built-in accountability to that question. You don't even have to be a brilliant mentor. (laughs) The Lord can just use that gentle accountability to put that question out there, and it really shape how you view your time with the Lord. If I felt like I had a good answer to the question, you know, I'd kind of be grateful and excited that I had an answer and kind of pat myself on the back that felt like I had spent time with God and I had listened and I knew something specific. So I'd give this answer. Well, then Clyde asked another question. He'd say, okay, if God said that, what did you do with what God said? How did you apply that to your life specifically? So he didn't allow me to just be excited about gaining new information. That information had to go from the head to the heart. And then that's where the real mentoring would dive in because we were getting into application. And application really involves life change and transformation and am I really willing to obey what God said or not? And that gets into all the areas of vulnerability and honesty and struggle and success and the highs and lows of everything. So for the really practical person like me that wants to have like a cheat sheet in my back pocket, I'm a little bit feeling like, okay, I really want to be a good steward. So we've talked about some examples. What did God say to you this week? How did you apply what God said to you? Give us some other examples. What are some of your go-to questions that you've found God has blessed in the process of you mentoring different people? Let me run down a list of these questions for you. The third question that people often don't expect 
but perhaps is the most important question you can possibly ask that deals with the greatest amount of application just on a practical basis is how have you loved well this week? And then you would dive into that question at different levels. How have you loved the acquaintances in your life well this week? How have you loved a stranger this week? Those people that are not a stranger, not an acquaintance, but they're a friend. How have you loved them this week? Okay, now let's go to family. How have you loved your family this week? So there's so many areas of focus and interest there. So we would ask that question, how have you loved well this week? What is God convicting you about? Now, I'd love to dive into that in just a moment. And then how are you personally and specifically making disciples? So how is God using you? What are you actually doing to serve the Lord? I think what's so critical about that question is you're really debunking this myth that, well, I'm being mentored right now and I'm in the position of the student. And so this is my season right now. I'm a student. And then one day, maybe because you're going to make me, that's kind of the deal with this relationship is I promise at some point I will in turn pour into someone else what is being poured into me. But that question right there really sets up for them to understand God can use you right now, even while you are in some roles in the role of a Timothy, in the role of a student. Absolutely. We're always one or two steps ahead of somebody. And then we're always ahead of somebody who has yet to meet the Lord and trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So there are countless ways for us to serve and to be used by the Lord. One of my favorite questions to ask as you get further into the mentoring relationship, this question becomes richer with time. Is I love to ask this question, what are you currently dreaming about? And how do you as a mentor, what is your common role when you hear what someone that you were mentoring, their answer, and obviously it's going to be as varied as the number of people that you've asked the question to, what are you generally looking for, listening for, or coaching them on when you hear that? When I ask that question, I always evaluate their answer according to, is that answer man-centered or God-centered? And what I mean by that is if you're dreaming about things that are just about making your life better, then that is a man-centered answer. The man or the woman is at the center of the equation. And what we're doing is we're trying to get God to simply bless us. We kind of reverse it. Instead of God being the potter and we're the clay, and he's molding this pottery, this vessel to be used, we try to reverse it and make ourselves to be the potter and God to be the clay and to use the pottery to bless us in some way. A God-centered answer is, oh, God is the center of everything. And he made me to serve him. And he gave me specific gifts and strengths to serve him. And my life makes adjustments to his life and to his agenda. And I no longer have my agenda and I no longer have my time. Everything that I own is not mine. It is his. And it is my honor and my blessing to take all of my life and consider it a stewardship for his purposes. And that is completely 
the antithesis of our culture. And so that question, I'm imagining maybe you sitting down with a 25-year-old man or or me sitting down with a college student or even a, a mom with children, the answers so frequently are, we really hope to get this job and maybe have this house and we want to send our kids to these schools. So to start causing them to look at their goals and realize, wait a minute, we're just asking God to bless our goals. We're not really asking him, God, how do you want to use us? Well, it's redefining from the American dream to God's dream. Over time, I changed the question. At first, the question's a little bit of a trick question, right? <laughs> you know, I'm setting them up. But then over time, I begin to ask them, how is God's dream coming true in and through you? Great question. We're trying to give some really practical tools to people in the mentoring relationship, but you've already said this at the get-go. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is not a formula. It's not a cookie cutter. Every mentoring relationship is going to be different because you're dealing with different people at different places in their journey. In what kind of ways would you want to coach a potential mentor in the sensitivity, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in that mentoring relationship? As the mentor, you first and foremost have to understand that God is choosing you in this moment. The Holy Spirit is going to work through you to take this person from something general to something specific in their understanding of God's word and their understanding of their relationship with God, their walk with God. So first and foremost, you've got to realize the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me about them and that I need to then trust what the Holy Spirit has said and go ahead and ask them some specific questions and at times even strong questions. And then what I've got to do is I've got to learn how to analyze what are the repetitive issues. People will keep bringing up something from their past. Well, if they keep bringing up something from their past, the Holy Spirit will begin to impress upon you. You need to be sensitive to that word and to that topic that they keep talking about their past. And maybe you need to dive into that. Maybe they've got a father wound and there was something not healthy about this relationship they had with their father. Though they may have forgiven that person, they're not free yet from that wound. They've not healed. And so if you notice that happening again and again, the Holy Spirit is going to impress upon you as the mentor to have a greater attention on that issue so that that issue is no longer crippling someone. Well, as you say that, it is such a reminder. It doesn't matter how many people you've mentored, whether it's zero or a hundred, you've got to be on your knees regarding this person. You have been given a stewardship. You're not going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit if you're just walking in and meeting with them every week and just kind of going through the motion. So maybe as we wrap up our time today, Chris, what does success look like? In the mentoring relationship, you're doing this week in and week out. How do you know that you are having quote unquote success? I'd say that it's vitally important that we do not determine our success by the amount of information that we covered in a meeting. We determine our success by the needs that we met in that meeting. We determine the success by what did God say? How did we begin to apply what God said? 
how did we discern and allow ourselves to be stronger together because we're interacting with this, we're talking about this, we're, we're being the body of Christ to one another? Let me kind of put this in a statement. The success of the meeting isn't determined by how much progress you make through a curriculum. The success of the meeting is determined by the needs that were met in alignment with the goals of loving God and loving people improving that love works. There are so many more things that I want to talk to you about. And when we say the word curriculum, what does that really mean in a priority time? But we are out of time for today. And so we'll have to save that for the next time that we are together. We hope that you've enjoyed this broadcast. And if you want to follow us, you are welcome to check out highpointmemphis.com, chrisconley.net, or karenconley.com for our blogs. Tons of information there on priority time and mentoring and things of that subject that would be of interest to people. But we want you to remember above all else that love God plus love people equals love works. 